Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational podcast by and for Keyforge friends. And I'm your Keyforge friend, and we're coming at you at our new time, which is starting the week off. Every Monday, you can now catch Help from Future Self to get your weekly dose of Keyforge funsies in a audio format. And uh, this week, we are Scuzzy Gruenless as he is just moving into a brand new palace. And uh, we got the rest of the crew, though. We got Sydney, SC Steel. What's going on? Hey, hey. And the wheeling Keyforger Rick. Rick, buddy, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you doing? Oh, man. It's a great day. It's uh, it's sunny here as we are recording this, and it's great to start the week off doing the podcast. I actually really like the vibe of this. I'm, I'm pretty stoked about this moving forward. Same. Lucky you. It's sunny-ish here, but supposed to be <laughs> storming by one o'clock. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Don't like that. So this week... We since we're doing like basically back to back episodes essentially for us in a way like two episodes in the same week while we were recording this in the new transition, uh, Sydney had a fantastic idea for a discussion. So I will pass the mic over to Sydney to let you know what we will be discussing this episode. So I'm super interested in both of your takes on what does the perfect KeyForge game look like, like. Is there even such a thing? Like what happens while you're playing? Is there any anything beforehand that makes it perfect? Do you need to be playing at a certain time or place or houses or what happens afterwards? Is is winning important? So I was just very curious what the perfect game of Keyforge looks like. Mm, that's a very good one, Sydney. For me, I think just a general starting point for that statement is that there is not a blowout happening. The perfect game of Keyforge for me is not one-sided by any stretch of the imagination. It's going to have some nice back and forth. I feel like that is like the baseline and then there's things that come from there. Especially when it's in a more fun, friendly environment. Like that is the basis point for the perfect game of Keyforge. What about you, Rick? Do you have any overall thoughts just in general before we dig into the details? Uh, I agree with Blake in the, uh, with friends, it's it's definitely more prone to happen, the perfect game. But I don't mind the occasional blowout, even if I'm getting blown out. If there's conversation, if there's laughing, if there's good action, even if it is a blowout on the field, I I enjoy those games. I can co-sign that statement. Like if there's a blowout and it's happening because something like truly spectacular that rarely happens is going, I'm okay with that. I wouldn't call it the perfect, but I'm I'm okay to go through that experience, whether I'm providing it or it's being provided against me, just to see something that unique and miraculous going down. So I agree with both of you. And not only do I I I don't necessarily like blowouts, but my perfect game is definitely one that I'm on the edge of my seat until the end. So not only is it a little bit more back and forth, but it's you you really do not know who's going to win until near the end. But one thing I will mm. stipulate is that even though these usually involve longer games for me, going to time is never part of my ideal game, just in general. No matter how fun and exciting the end of a game is, if it goes to time, that 
does put a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth. So I like the game to end before the clock strikes zero. What do you guys think about that? I definitely agree. Um, I don't know if it's just my my brain wiring or what, but there are games, if I'm not having fun, games seem like they're about 10 times as long as they actually are. Totally. I agree with that one. So if I feel like a game is going along, there's something that I'm not enjoying it, and I just want to get the game over with. Yeah, I hear that. I, I don't like the going to time aspect because I'm sure... Actually, you know what? I'm going to just straight up say this. This is the perfect analogy for going to time. And when you know you're getting there is it's like a game of hot potato where you're trying to go back and forth so that when time is called, it's not happening on your turn. So you're the one who gets that extra response turn. So I don't like that aspect of Keyforge because I feel it creates an unfair advantage in certain situations. And it just feels very stressful. And you're playing in a very rushed format just so you can have the last say. In fact, I've actually played that way before where I've gone less efficient and done less things just to make sure that I'm passing to my opponent so that time will be called on them and not on me so I get that extra turn right afterwards. I'm getting the feeling from both of you that your your perfect games are a little bit less competitive. Do you, do you think you guys could have your perfect games in a more competitive scenario or is it just simply the casual with friends that has all the components of a of a fun game to you? Well, see, here's the thing. I I can be with friends in a competitive setting. I find that the uh, the sealed Archons that, or the sealed events that I do with Archons Corner, I find that to me is competitive, but in a fun setting. So, and mm. just like okay. our our last sealed, I was not winning at all. But the very well what ended up being the last game, it was a go back and forth. It was a really good game. But because I had those other games prior that were not fun, I had to drop, even if, even though I had that one really good game. I couldn't agree with you more. Some of my, some of my most fun games are actually in competitive settings simply because that is where most of my uh, in-person Keyforge friends um, gravitate. So the vault tours and just the, the primes and all of those times are when I'm actually with the people that I, I spend the most time with in person playing Keyforge. And so those are sometimes just my more fun games because of the people that are there with me. For me, I'm I'm maybe giving the wrong impression because I enjoy the friend aspect of playing Keyforge. Like that is where the perfect game most likely will exist. But the true like perfect game is for me always in a competitive setting Ooh. because the level of deck being used is always at the highest. So you're seeing truly spectacular things happen. And it's also coming in a sense where you're both really trying to win no punches are being held back and like truly for me it's you're going to the end you're both on two keys you both are going to check and it's that back and forth moment where you each have a response to take each other off and it's almost like a game of chicken of who is not going to have that response first and you just keep going back and forth i'm into check you're off a check and it's that incremental it's like how many times can we do that and it's and it's really just the most marvelous finish to a game for me i love that that that's the game that i had with clock in it at 
on Archon's corner field. It was back and forth. It was like, oh my god, I've only got this one card left to take him off check. What's he going to do next? And it just it kept going back and forth, and I was like, how am I still in this? <laughs> so, Rick, you've actually mentioned sealed a couple times. I was, yep. was wondering, does your, your perfect game change? Does it vary based on format or variant, like sealed versus Archon or best of one versus best of three? Well, actually, I don't, I don't really do the best of threes other than the ABR, but I used Archon's Corner in, in terms of like the online setting. I still can, even though they're my friends, I still can find that competitive. And on in our local, it's with friends, but I st- to me, it's still competitive because I'm st- I'm still trying my hardest to win the night and get the best record and all that. So to me, anytime I play it, it's competitive. What about you, Blake? Nice. Um, well, in terms of a perfect game. It generally is singular, like in the in the statement. So I haven't, I didn't really think about it from like a multi game standpoint, but I definitely think that the adaptive side of things provides perfect game scenarios when you get to go to a moment where you can bid chains, because I I really enjoy the psychological aspect of bidding chains, in terms of like. I, I really like if I feel confident with a deck when someone goes like zero, just coming right out the gates with like a non-incremental increase and just be like six or seven, like <laughs> make them think about having two less cards right off the top. I feel like that can really create uh, an amazing, perfect game as well. So that's that's also something that I that I always uh, keep in mind when when thinking about really fun games because it's just like the pregame warm up of bidding chains can set up a perfect game scenario for me. I find. Oh, I completely agree. I I honestly think that in a best of three, no matter what variant, in a best of three format, when I have to play a third game, my perfect game definitely changes, whether it's the first or the third game. Because if my first game, as exciting as it could possibly be, if it's going long or even taking up a lot of time in the allotted time that we're given, I actually start to get stressed. Whereas if we finish the first two games, even if it's 1-1 and the, the full weight of the match is on who wins this game. If the third one goes long, that one feels a lot better to me because I'm not stressed about getting full future games in, no matter the the state of the board or or anything else that's currently happening in the game. But um, speaking of that, actually, so what what houses, what what components of the actual game itself? makes up a perfect game for you? Do you have favorite houses? Do you like to see certain things happen in a game to feel like the game is going really well? For me, I'd say it is having DAV and 10 mutants. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter the house. No, I'm, I'm joking. But yes, that is a true statement as well. Uh, for me, I feel more often than not, it's going to have logos in the mix. That's that's kind of what I realized because I think when you have efficiency on your side, it makes for a perfect game because you're getting to see a lot. That or Worlds Collide Star Alliance is kind of like the Star Alliance one is way more specific to Worlds Collide, but the the logos in general, I find, can be a part of the equation that makes a perfect game more often than not. You're the same boat, Rick? I feel like as a logos guy, that'd be you too. Um, I, 
I'm a Logos and or Untamed. If I get both, I'm really happy. Or if I get one or the other, I'm usually generally happy too because those are my two favorite types. Are sorry, my two favorite houses. But I knew I knew Blake was gonna call Worlds Collide Star Alliance. Yes, I just remember how much he enjoyed playing that in our locals. Yeah, I actually find that the lack of dis makes a a perfect game scenario for me just because mm. there there are a lot more feel bad moments and and the control is so high that no, no matter the like all of the ingredients for a perfect game if somebody's played like mark of dis on me two turns in a row and they've locked me out of my turns it's there's just no way I'm I'm having the perfect game in that situation but I I also feel like combos just being able to pull things off even if it's not like the winning move or or even if it doesn't have the hugest effect on the outcome of the game being able to pull off really cool things helps me have a fantastic game is there is there any like combination of things that that you would want in a game to be able to pull something off um i have two decks with hangs and gross and if i can get a if I can maintain a big board with those both on either end, I'm having a really good game. However, as of yet, I have yet to do that properly. <laughs> I can get a semi-okay line, but then they die. So it's it's a work in yeah, progress. Yeah, it's a tricky one, 100%. Um, for me, I like actually having impossible deck scenarios take place. Ooh. So... That being said, I'm talking about when you get to do things like use a Merkins, use a Hypnobeam, Collar of Subordination, a Boro, to take something that your opponent has from another set that is not possible to be a part of the equation of what your deck would normally have and get to utilize a card in a way that is technically impossible to be a part of the deck in its conception. So that is one of the ways I can have a perfect game because you're getting to experience the game of Keyforge with that deck in a way that technically shouldn't be possible, but due to the borrow function or getting to play a card, it does become that way. I feel like the Shadows cards really embody it because they have so many things where you take something and it becomes Shadows. So then you can use it without having to call a house that you don't have. So it sounds like for you two, uh, Rick, you're, you're looking for uh, a more board-heavy game state, and uh, Blake, you're, you're thinking more, more action-heavy, or just in general, more, um, more actions over the course of the game. I think for me, it's actually it's artifact-based. I notice Ooh. I generally have the most fun in games because of artifacts, whether they're creating a constant effect that's passive and can affect both players or just affect you but i noticed all my favorite deck archetypes revolve around an artifact so that's quixelstone transporter platform dark ember vault that's like the lineup for me that when those exist i'm in heaven basically playing keyforge that's awesome and for me it it's it i think goes back to my magic days which was my first competitive card game um, I like the aggressive side. I like to be going fast and just making my opponent react to me. So if I can get a good efficiency, fast deck that has a lot of like draw and just play effects that combo off each other, I'm loving that kind of deck. So, and but me I knowing also, Rick, 
I know you also like you like special creatures too because you start yes. off with time traveler, then we got the more wolves, and now you got gross and hings. Like I've I've noticed that trend with you is when there's like these specialty creatures, you yeah. gravitate to having a lot of fun with those. I do, mind you, with the giant creatures, I don't really like those. So that's the exception to that rule. Oh, okay. So how much has experience affected what your perfect game looks like? Do, like, do you think that your your perfect game looked different when you first started Keyforge and then the more that the game has grown, but the more you guys have also grown as players, do you think that has changed what your perfect game looks like? For me, it hasn't really changed. I think mine's just broadened the definition of perfect game because I've had more experiences where it hasn't really maybe gone my way but it's been a really really good game that i've enjoyed so i can call that a, a, at least semi-perfect game but yeah my my definitions have broadened since i've played more and gotten more experience for me it definitely evolved significantly once worlds collide came because i feel like worlds collide with star alliance and to a degree saurian the concept of house cheating became much more pronounced and a prominent theme of something you could do within the game. And it's kind of stayed since then. And I found that being able to utilize cards from a different house or play cards from a different house from a reap, play the top card of your deck ability sort of thing became really what I enjoyed within the game. And I just love being able to do things that are almost like breaking the rules of Keyforge. Like I, kind of notice this theme as I'm speaking, like stealing artifacts and stuff <laughs> that are not part of it, things like that. I, I really enjoy that aspect of the game is doing things that you shouldn't be able to do, but it allows you within the confines of what a card creates. I do like that aspect as well, yeah. I, I've definitely grown to love the the uh, house cheating. It's and, so much fun. Yeah, it is. And stealing people's stuff with like Boro and whatnot. So yeah, I agree with what Blake's just said there. What about you, Sydney? I'm in a similar boat. I feel like as every set comes out, like my whole like perfect game shatters and rebuilds itself because I just think the combos that are available in each new set of Keyforge just breaks what I've loved and adds to it. So I think that like when when Coda first came out, it was so streamlined that that winning quickly was probably how I was enjoying my most of my games, or not necessarily me winning quickly, but games just being won very quickly. But then as more combinations and and simply domino effects, like you do one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing happens, those changed every set. So the new cool thing to do was probably like part of my perfect game every time a set came out. So I do think that experience, my own experience may not directly affect what my perfect game looks like, but each new set surely does. Mm, yeah, for sure. I think that um, also for me, my perfect game is different, whether it's in person or online. And simply because I know that Online, I have to use my brain in different ways and I have to think about different things while in person, lessening the weight of having to remember all of the cards in my deck or having a game where having perfect memory of certain things doesn't matter as much is, is more a part of my perfect game in person. But online, I think 
the the crazier, cooler things are, are much more possible with uh, the ways that you can you can look through the cards that are left. And I know that's not necessarily mm-hmm. something you can or should do because it's not something you can do in person. But it it changes how I feel about how good a game is or how well it's going because of the different amounts of usage I have of my own brain. I like that. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. I also find that in-person games, a lot of the times, um, I think has a higher chance of a perfect game because you can have a discussion with the person you're with to be like, hey, what are you going to play today? What type of deck? Okay, I'll bring this. Like, oh, this is this is cool. And when you have in-person encounters, you can kind of find nice matchups where the decks really had a good back and forth and then play those decks together repeatedly and have like a sort of a, oh, what are we going to call it? Like a... I guess you keep score of who's winning over a time, but it's it it feels really nice when you find a pair of decks that complement each other in the competitive arena, and then you can revisit them and have that experience because of the way they go off each other. But similarly, you can have feels bad because some decks just don't pair well at all, and one counters the other so hard, which I think is in the feels bad, but such an interesting part of Keyforge, how no matter how good a deck is, you can have a deck that's significantly less but it has a few things that are just such a hard counter to what the deck wants to do that it really crumbles what it wants to to achieve yeah i definitely agree i agree um i think like when when we were doing our little thing during the pandemic there in the summer with you me and alex meeting up i think those i think those games really were really good for pairing up decks that just meshed well together those were really fun games. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. So what about Keyforge Adventures or just in general the, the co-op version? Because that is actually a, a completely different game. So in my own head, I have that in a different category than Keyforge. Because even though it's it's still all the Keyforge components playing a game, it's not the same game. And my my competitiveness against the Kraken is very different than my competitiveness against another player. So my perfect game for for Keyforge Adventures is actually entirely different. Like I have different decks, I have different, I enjoy different things. My my perfect game is actually a lot different for for the co-op versus the competitive. I I played it and to be honest, the only reason why I'm I'm not really gravitating towards it is like I got to try the one that uh mason created and that was so much fun i actually think i enjoyed that one more than the key Rackin, but i just find keyforge adventures is not what i want to do if i'm going to spend my time that's not really how i want to digest keyforge right now i'd rather maybe go into some of the other ffg ips of marvel champions or lord of the rings or arkham horror if i'm going to play that style of like kind of one player deck sort of autopilots your opponent in a way sort of games um, yeah, I just I just find it's not how I want to play Keyforge right now. Totally makes sense. So I have one last culminating question. Have you had a perfect game yet? Do do either of you think that you have had a game that that maybe at the time, even if not now, you you considered perfect? Well, I actually regularly have perfect games. I have a perfect <laughs> opponent. How about that? So my perfect opponent is uh, M.I. Bluffin. You are probably all familiar with him. He's very active on TCO. We actually basically had like 
a unofficial standing game almost every single Tuesday we would play and we wouldn't talk about it. We would just end up playing every single Tuesday night. We'd be on TCO. And I find um, him and I just, the games are always well-matched. It's very rarely a blowout. We have amazing back and forth. I consider him actually like my perfect opponent because I find the games always exciting and they check a lot of the boxes like i enjoy playing games um the play styles the way we both play complement each other so we're always getting down to that moment where we're both pressing for check a lot of the times and uh he always brings out really interesting decks so i find like just playing against mi bluffin is my perfect opponent and generally lead to perfect games like it's happened a few times not just once I actually play against him quite often myself. I wouldn't call them perfect games, but yeah, he's a really good opponent. And just from the amount that we've played each other, I do really enjoy our games against each other. Rick, I feel like you had a pretty perfect game against uh, against me the other night or the other day when we played. It w- It was pretty close, I would say, yeah. We went down to the wire, and then you just edged it at the end ever so nicely. Yeah. Um, which do you remember which deck that was? Because yeah, you're it, you're using your fuzzy. Oh, okay. Yes. When you, is, when red-handed registry was burning you and and kept me in the game way longer than I should have been, but it made for an exciting finish. Yes. Uh, my fuzzy plane deck. That is the deck that I have played the most. I've got two hundred and fifty plays with that deck. Holy. That's wow. Impressive what about you, Sydney? So I think I've told this story before, but I think my my perfect game so far has happened. And as again, as another set comes out and another set comes out, I'll I'll definitely have more criteria and have another perfect game in the future. But it was it was a game where I had um, uh, Cincinnati, well Cincinnatus, Cincinnatus Rex, um, and the Golden Spiral, and I ruled of six to get enough uh, amber to uh, key cheat and win the game. And so it was It was definitely an, an epic finish to a game that had lasted all the way to time. I'm pretty sure that that was on my last turn. So I think that the fact that the, the game itself was really exciting and the, the atmosphere of doing it with a group of people, and I think it was a, a store championship, so there was a little bit of weight to to the tournament but it wasn't like vault tour level competitive it was it was just a good combination of things including a deck that i loved that brought together a a perfect game oh that's awesome well i think uh that wraps up this topic and thank you so much sydney for suggesting it was really fun uh thinking about what a perfect game is and trying to remember some of those those great moments But uh, we cannot end an episode without the titular segment, and we call this one... Help Help from Future Self. self. Sydney, I understand you have some words of wisdom for our listeners this week. I absolutely do. So I've been super excited to start doing um, ABR prep with my team. We uh, just came up with a team name and everything about what we're doing has just been super exciting and a lot of fun. But I think one of the things that I kind of took for granted last season that I, I really do want to do more of this season is actually talking with my team and and not necessarily just being social, but also the, the ability to discuss decks. And I usually have an easy time picking my deck each week because I have a, a larger collection. But what I'm also bringing to the team are those collections of decks 
for them to use. So helping other people pick their decks and actually talking about which decks are really good under what requirements and and also bottom line, getting verification picks. But I think that talking with the team and getting on the same page with everybody about what they need, what they like to play, it, it helps on so many levels to just keep the game active within the team between actually playing each week. I like that. Yeah, I've been I've been really enjoying it as well. This is my first season taking on the role of a captain, and uh, I'm really enjoying my team and the conversations they're having and being a part of. So it's it's really great. I'm I'm super grateful for ABR. It, it creates a very unique a uh, league scenario, which is I think why it's so popular. Totally, I agree All with right. that. All right, uh, that does it for this week's episode. If you wish to reach out to us and tell us about your perfect Keyforge game, you can always hit us up on Twitter at HFFS Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Boulevard Blake, that's BLVD Blake, as well as my YouTube. I have a new series dropping today where my deck giveaway is actually going to be a tournament amongst the winners. So I'm excited to not play these decks, but to commentate on my Patreon supporters playing the decks that they won. So stay tuned for that. And Sydney, where can they find you? I am SC Steel on TCO and Discord. And Rick? I am Rickster78 on TCO and the Wheeling Keyforger on Twitter. Excellent. We'll be at you next Monday with a new edition of help from future self alex will be joining us hopefully and until then folks stay forging